3: Ladies and gentlemen, to yet another edition of Rush Hour, presented by Bad Rivers. I am Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bed Rivers Sportsbook on this fine Monday evening. Got plenty of action to unveil tonight. Adam Amin, the voice of the Bulls play-by-play broadcaster, but we're not going to be talking basketball with him tonight. Also does great work calling the games for baseball. We'll get his thoughts on tonight's Major League Baseball slate, plus just a farther look at, into the Major League Baseball season and postseason, see if he's got any favorites to come out on top of the AL, NL, and maybe some player awards if we have time with Adam. After that, I've got a couple of plays on tonight's baseball slate with Danny's Dimes, which we will be throwing out in about 25 minutes. Then after that, we're going to be talking some NFL with a specific prop. I know last week we did a bunch of the match bet props head-to-heads, but tonight I had a little bit more interest and who is going to acclaim the most rushing touchdowns this season? So we'll dive into that in about a half hour. Then, really, just overall, to wrap things up, let's talk some college football. Adam Kramer at Kegs and Eggs on Twitter does great work covering college football with us here at VESAN. He will be joining us to preview the official week one college football slate this upcoming weekend and more. Just really overall, with some college football and some of the biggest games. Naturally, we'll focus on the Big Ten, but we'll still take a look at the Premier games as well with Adam. So a lot to dive into tonight. Let's begin like we typically do, however, with some of the biggest news. And like it pretty much has been the past couple of weeks, it's always been revolving around the NFL. And stop me if you've heard this one before, but more unfortunate news with the Indianapolis Colts. Three players that were placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list today. Carson Wentz being one of them. Quarterback Carson Wentz was placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. You know, he's already dealing with the injury that he was maybe going to get back in time for week one and, you know, potentially still could be, but we'll see what happens with the testing and whatnot. But also Zach Pascal uh, and then the center, Ryan Kelly, all were close contacts with staff member who tested positive. will be back in five days as long as they can remain negative and asymptomatic. But again, you know, just <laughs> it seems like worse and worse news. This Colts team, that is a squad that it's not that this season everything was being brought together in a sense and that Carson Wentz was the savior but this Colts team is still so deep and you have all the remaining parts ready to go you just need that reliable consistent quarterback there and Carson Wentz has done everything but that as at this point so look he'll be back we know that and can he bounce back from the injury and can he even be good enough in the first place before all of this I've, it's beating the dead horse at this point because again it's just this continuous bad news with this Colts team and that's been my concerns with them but look You know, at some point, Indianapolis is going to be able to figure out will it be enough to win the AFC South, though? That is a question that we are always asking when it comes to the news throughout the AFC South. The Titans are the favorite, minus 106. The Colts are plus 140 to win the division. Jags plus 750, and the Texans are at 30-1. to Now, speaking, of course, of the Texans, some news also coming out of the AFC South uh, revolves around the Houston Texans as well. NFL insider Aaron Wilson reporting, that the Texans are prepared to declare Deshaun Watson inactive for every week in 2021 for this upcoming season. Again, the Texans 30-1 to to come out on top of the division. The assumption is regardless that they were probably going to be the bottom tier team in the division. And like we mentioned, really, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so, we were talking about Deshaun Watson just handicapping the Texans. You shouldn't have really bet this team except for the fact that you were assuming Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play right I mean and if you thought he had any chance of doing so then you know hopefully you waited for some of this news because even if he was going to play there's still so much just noise in the back of his head and it, regardless it was just unrealistic that he was actually going to play so seeing this uh, doesn't seem shocking I know there's some trade rumors about him maybe going to the Dolphins but that's going to come to fruition unlikely based on the whole baggage now you have to bring on with Deshaun Watson but look you know Albert Breer also reported that the Texans are willing to listen to the offers from pretty much any of uh, the veterans on the squad to get rid of Deshaun Watson with and David Johnson Brandon Cooks immediately come to mind as potential trade targets for teams that he kind of just went even deeper into talking about it but again is some team willing to take that on more than likely no I mean why would you and you know the Dolphins, like we said, were a team that could maybe come into the mix. You heard Brian Flores talking about wanting the high-character type of guys on his team. So it just seems like a mess for someone to want to take that on as of this point. So will we see Deshaun Watson this season? My bet would be on no, and it certainly would not be on the Texans for any game or division bet as of this point. I know people were looking at it potentially with the Jags. Week one, we were talking with Josh Applebaum, but that's just one of those ugly games I'm probably going to be sticking away from as with most of the AFC South. Once again, the show is Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Just kind of going through all the mayhem. That is just another day in the AFC South. Carson Wentz, being one of the three players on the cold set, has been placed on the reserve slash COVID nineteen list, along with Zach Pascal, the receiver, and the center Ryan Kelly. Uh, they're close contacts with staff members. They could be back within five days if they test negative, but. Still just not the best of news for this Colts team. And then furthermore, in the AFC South, naturally, uh, we heard the news about Deshaun Watson reportedly going to be declared inactive for every week in 2021 with the Texans, who are also reportedly looking to shop him for anything as of this point. But again, like I was saying, I don't think any team really wants Dip their hand in the mess, that is Deshaun Watson right now. And we'll see what happens with him and the case and everything. But uh, tough days ahead probably for the Texans and what we expect for Deshaun Watson. So the AFC South is keeping us on our toes every single day. It seems like we've started off so many shows talking about the craziness that has been the AFC South. But yet we still see the Titans like we alluded to. That's a favorite to win this division, minus 106. The Colts then come in at about plus 140. The Jags plus 750. And then you get the lowly Texans all the way at the bottom at 30-1 to to come out on top of the AFC South like we mentioned, uh, we'll pick up our conversation with the NFL a little bit later in the show because I want to go over to have the most rushing yards or rushing touchdowns uh, when it comes to that prop. So we'll get into that a little bit, too. And some other news also now just seen about, too, in terms of quarterbacks in the NFL. Adam Schefter tweeting about Trey Lance and an injury that he has picked up as of this point. A small chip in his finger and it's expected to miss about a week per head coach Kyle Shanahan. So, look, you know, that's going to obviously contribute to this conversation of who is going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers, Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. Now the assumption, of course, is that it's going to be Jimmy G, and that was probably going to be the case anyways, right? I mean, you have the veteran in there, and you have a good enough team surrounding all throughout that Jimmy Garoppolo, you would think, would suffice with the given roster as of this point, and if they can stay healthy because that was the issue, we saw them struggle last year, and if we can assume they can stay healthy and Jimmy G can play like he did two years ago, then the 49ers should be fine. It's going to be a tough NFC West. We understand that. But aside from playing their division foes, the 49ers really don't have that tough of a schedule. But Trey Lance was probably not, at least in my opinion, I was kind of leaning toward that he wasn't going to be the consistent guy right away. You know, it's one of those maybe redshirt type of seasons, and now we find out about his injury, makes things a little bit clearer. For the san francisco 49ers heading into their week one matchup so plenty of nfl news to continue on later on here on rush hour but let's get to some baseball talk with our pal adam amin who you can follow on twitter At Adam Amin, not only does he do the play-by-play for the Bulls and some NFL action, but he's been doing a great job covering Major League Baseball this season. And Adam, we're excited to get into it with you. It's been a while since we've had you on the show, and we've got a good slate to look forward to tonight. And I also want to kind of get into the futures conversation in terms of Major League Baseball with you. But I want to start with a game tonight. It may not be the most exciting, but... Let's talk about the Rockies and Rangers here. Colorado's a minus-157 favorite. The Rangers catching plus plus-132. This total at about 8.5. And And Adam, Colorado's been such a fascinating team because OPS-wise, they're one of the best at home this season. It's on the road where they completely struggle. And Texas, at the same time, has just been a complete mess all throughout. So uh, do you trust Colorado in this offense despite them being away from the hitter-friendly park that is Coors Field?
4: You know, it, it, one thing about globe life is that the ball has carried pretty well out to right center field. The Rockies have some hitters that can stroke the ball that direction. So the, it, it's not, again, it's a dome stadium. It's a little bit different. So it, it's not like you're battling different types of elements. And the ballpark is actually fairly conducive to guys that can hit to that right center field spot. I still don't necessarily trust the Rockies because they've been in every ballpark just about this year in the National League. And, been able to produce the runs at the same rate that they do at Coors Field, which I know obviously has been a traditional uh, theme for the Rockies since uh, they've been around. I get that. But I think this particular lineup, not I don't necessarily trust fully, but I do think there are some spots where you might have a decent series against the Texas pitching staff that is still looking for a little bit more consistency.
3: Absolutely. Well, Adam, another game that kind of features one of these bottom-tier teams, involves the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're going to be hosting the Padres tonight in San Diego, certainly fighting for their postseason wildcard lives. And with Paddock on the bump, Paddock's really struggled against Arizona this season. Uh, he's 1-2, or rather the Padres are 1-2 overall when he has started against Arizona. And we see San Diego is a minus 200 favorite. The Diamondbacks catching plus 163 with Tyler Gilbert taking the bump. 9.5 is this total How do you kind of look at it, because you're so close to these players, these teams, when you're covering it, when you get this late in the season, obviously it doesn't mean as much to Arizona as it does with San Diego, but of course you got guys vying for roster spots and their contract extensions with a team like the Diamondbacks. When you look at it from a handicapping perspective, do you think you lean more toward the team fighting for their playoff lives, or can you just not completely count out a team like the Diamondbacks?
4: No, I, I always lean towards, especially when we're looking at probability. And you, you know, this obviously, DV, nothing's a guarantee. It's just typical probability. What are we looking at odds-wise? What are we looking at tendency-wise? And what are that? What do those lead us to in terms of probability? So the probability for me has always been to lean towards the team that is fighting for their playoff lives, especially Paddock, who but you've you've mentioned it. He's struggled. You know, his ERA has ballooned over the last couple of years. Although I, you know, the last what five or. six, six games he's had uh, last five or six outings. He's had, you know, it, it, they're winning games. They're just winning them in marathons and they're winning them in high, you know, high run totals. So, you know, over under wise, I still feel like Arizona is a team that could put up big offensive numbers if they've got the lineup out there, you know, Katel Marte is still a strong hitter. So is Christian Walker. So is David Peralta, Nick Ahmed, you know, like these are still solid hitters and with Paddock struggling the way he has, I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked if you see a high run total throughout the series but that's how the Padres have been doing it often, especially with some of these pitchers that haven't found their legs this year, that haven't been maybe as consistent as you've seen them in smaller periods or, or, or in different, uh, different locales. But it still feels like this is one of the more dangerous offenses in Major League Baseball. And until someone tells me otherwise, until they are otherwise, they're still in a really good position against the young pitcher tonight.
3: Yeah, and you mentioned some inconsistent pitchers. Let's kind of flip that look at some pitchers who we've been able to rely on this year. Kind of a different feel with this game, being the Brewers on the road against the Giants. Now, San Francisco did really well taking care of business when they went on the road, what, a couple weeks ago against Milwaukee? But maybe Milwaukee gets the revenge tonight with this series as we see them as a minus-152 favorite, Adam. And the Giants catching plus-132 at home with a short total of 7.5. Seldom. Do we see the Giants as this big of a home dog plus 132? I mean, maybe at the beginning of the season, but now that we've come to expect really good things out of this team, maybe looking at them at the dog here is a solid opportunity. But I guess what would maybe keep me away is that Johnny Cueto, he's been solid, but he hasn't been great. And who has been great is Corbin Burns, the potential NL Cy Young who's taken the mound for the Brewers. So uh, which pitcher do you give the slight edge to this evening?
4: Man, that's a great question. Uh... And again this is such a pitcher friendly ballpark uh as well and obviously you know we know about triples alley and and all that and you know it can get you doubles and triples and extra base hits but it's not a it's always been harder to hit home runs out milwaukee's lineup is a little bit banged up right now and they're not necessarily looking for home run power throughout their lineup. they've been very consistent and they've leaned on their pitching staff for the entirety of the year so I feel like Cueto's got a good edge tonight just based on what lineup he is looking at and where they're playing. Again, probability and tendency more than anything else. But again, Corbin Burns is battling for one of the top, you know, as, as, a, as one of the top pitchers in all of Major League Baseball this year. The whole Milwaukee staff's been really good. I'll be curious to see how they kind of approach this final month. They I, It feels pretty safe that they're going to be the NL Central champions, even though Cincinnati's played really well as of late. But I, I just get this feeling that you know they might end up taking the foot off the gas, so you might see some lower run totals produced by Milwaukee in this month, and maybe some higher run totals given up if they're giving some chances to some younger guys tonight. Though, when we look at that pitching matchup, I like Queto based on Milwaukee's lineup and what they've looked like lately. They're a little, they're a little frustrated in Minnesota, and going to San Francisco may not help their offense.
3: Very true. So yeah, once again, could be a good opportunity to take a solid plus price with the home dog in San Francisco. Uh, let's move it on to another couple of teams close to the top of their divisions. I mean, the Braves are obviously right there at the top. The Dodgers still vying for that top spot in the NL West. And the Dodgers are the big home favorite. Mine is 215. The Braves catching plus 175, total at 8.5. So certainly Atlanta has had this hot streak toward the latter half of the season, Adam. But they're throwing out southpaw Drew Smiley here, who's probably been one of those pitchers that's tough to bet on from time to time. Do you think tonight could be another example of that, and that you would maybe gravitate toward the Dodgers because we've seen big line movement minus 180 up to minus 215 for Los Angeles?
4: I would definitely lean towards Los Angeles personally. Now, you know, Smiley, for that matter, you know, pitched well his last time out, but he got an extra kind of set of rest every extra couple of days. I don't think he's pitched in eight days, if I'm not mistaken. They got Ian Anderson back recently, so that's helped uh, give their rotation guys some some extra rest and, and start to work Anderson back in. I lean towards the Dodger lineup. I still think as prolific as they are, it's, uh, it's hard going up against a guy like Smiley. who's you know, or it's hard for Smiley going up against a lineup like that is what I should say. Smiley's really had some struggles in consistency. The veteran guy obviously knows how to pitch. You're not expecting a lot though from him in terms of length. If the Atlanta bullpen is struggling, which we've seen, you know, getting to the ninth inning has been an issue at times this year for the Braves. I feel like the Dodgers are probably the more smart play in this particular sense.
3: All right, Adam, and then before we move on to kind of the futures discussions, last game of the night I want to touch on, Astros and Mariners. Uh, personally, I'm kind of leaning toward the side of Houston here. It's a little bit strange of a matchup because Flaxen hasn't done well against Houston, but Garcia hasn't done well against Seattle at the same time. And you look at this Mariners team, their offense is very inconsistent, and they've actually hit worse at home, 660 OPS, than they have on, or on the road. And then you look at the Astros, who have actually slightly hit better on the road than they have, At home and we see Houston up to minus 155 Seattle catching plus 130 this total at about 8 so again the Mariners a team fighting for their postseason lives the Astros at the top of their respective divisions still looking to get a good seed this is tough to me but I kind of lean Houston here a little bit because I don't trust the Seattle offense but do you think that something different could come about and maybe the dog price would be worth a play I don't think so. I'm with you on on Houston. I feel like Seattle's
4: offense has relied on some luck. They've obviously had some great moments. The the late-game dramatics, you know, they've been a a very fun team to track, especially offensively, but the consistency is just not there, and you're facing Garcia, who's had really good luck against lefties and righties. you got McCullers going. He's had a really strong run, and then Jake Odorizzi, a veteran guy, going up against Logan Gilbert in the third game of that series. I, I think The Houston offense is just too powerful, frankly. They're the best offense in baseball in terms of creating runs. They're the best defense in baseball in terms of defending runs. They've got excellent starting pitching. The bullpen for the Mariners has been really good. Maybe you give them the edge in that regard. But other than that, I mean, Houston has been the more impressive and dominant team, and I think the matchup for tonight probably would indicate as such.
3: And speaking of Houston, that's kind of where I want to lead to my next question. I mean, looking at the American League pennant and who's going to come out on top, the Astros are the short shot, Adam, at plus 215. Then the Southsiders here in Chicago, plus 250, Rays plus 275, those red-hot Yankees at plus 450. Has there been any team that either if it's been from the beginning and consistently to this point or a team as of late that's come out and really impressed you that you think, all right, maybe this team is going to for sure be the one to make some noise in the AL and compete for a World Series title.
4: I mean, it's been Houston for me. And the White Sox are an interesting test case just because of the injury issues that they've had, and they haven't really been at full strength until recently, and they've they've obviously looked excellent in two games against the Cubs this weekend while, you know, being shut out in another one. That's kind of the microcosm for for the White Sox right now as they try to figure out their rotation, their lineup, and get it prepared for What's going to be, probably, no matter what, the AL is stacked in terms of the playoff team. So the playoff series that the Sox are going to play in is going to be very difficult. I think the Astros have been the best team from start to finish. Uh, I, I, I looked at what happened when Bregman got hurt. He was out for two months. He just recently came back. But in the two months that he was gone, Abraham Toro played really well. Then they traded him to Seattle to get Kendall Graveman and sure up their bullpen a little bit. And then Ms. Diaz played really well, so their depth was on display from the start. They didn't have one of the best third basemen in the game, so I feel like they're in such a good position offensively. Their rotation has been one of the best in baseball most of the year. Obviously, the White Sox rotation has probably, uh, arguably, been the best in all of baseball. You can certainly make a case for that. But I think the Astros have been rock solid all year. If their bullpen is solid, which obviously the additional addition of Graveman, that's the hope, and they have been really good at stretches this year. I feel like they're still the most complete team, and we mentioned defensively. They're probably the best defense in baseball, too. So run prevention has been very good. Offense has not been a problem at any point this year for them. Uh, They can hit home runs. They get on base at a great rate. They get hits late in games. Jordan Alvarez, uh, Yuli Gurriel, guys like that have been very clutch late in games. So they have all the elements, and that's why I feel like – I mean, it's not shocking that they're the the favorite amongst the AL teams.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And look, the American League is more of a kind of shorter side of – Major League Baseball right now where it seems like, you mentioned the White Sox, it seems like it's kind of just head-to-head with those two teams. But the Yankees are coming in the mix, and obviously the Rays have been there. So the AL will be fun to watch unfold, as will the NL. But unfortunately, Adam, we are out of time here, and I don't want to cut you short. I know you're going to have a solid answer with the National League, but we'll have to get you back on soon, my man, and get your thoughts as we get closer to the postseason. Thanks, as always, for making some time tonight. You got it, DB, anytime. At Adam Amin on Twitter, catch him over at Fox Sports doing play-by-play for Major League Baseball and the NFL. We're getting close to basketball season, baby. Exciting times ahead to listen to Adam with that stacked Bulls team. A lot of expectations here in the Windy City, but big thanks to Adam for hopping on, talking some baseball. But look, National League, Dodgers are the short shot like they have been. They continue to be plus 145, and the Brewers are plus 375. San Francisco, 4-1. Braves are plus 550. It's going to be a good series, an interesting, kind of maybe a telltale of what to expect this postseason when we see Milwaukee and San Francisco going head-to-head. Tonight being the first of that, Corbin Burns, Johnny Cueto, who do you lean toward? I'll let you know next segment because I do have a play in that game. It's not necessarily as much as who's going to win that game, but revolving around the total between Burns and Cueto. So we'll touch on that plus another game that I have a best bet in. But don't worry, we're not talking all baseball tonight. We've got NFL action as well. Most rushing touchdowns in this upcoming season. Where is it worth to potentially put a bet in that category? We'll let you know. And then Adam Kramer will be talking college football week one odds, some of the biggest games, and much more. Stick around. Plenty more betting action coming your way tonight right here on Rush Hour.
2: How <gasps> lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
5: What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one on one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
0: I said, I said OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college think I ain't it?
5: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Get the most out of all odds with Bet Rivers daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams only at your hometown sportsbook. And to make your experience even more rewarding, remember that Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. And don't forget, $250 match bonus on your first deposit. Offer valid in Illinois only, must be 21 or older. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Daily on time discounts, check them out, All righty, welcome back. The show is Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Big thanks to Adam Amin, hopping on to get things started off, talking some Major League Baseball. And that's where we're going to pick it up. I got a couple of dimes tonight on the baseball slate. Let's bring it back to the West Coast. That match between the Giants and the Brewers. Great pitching matchup potentially with Corbin Burns and Johnny Cueto. Now, just looking at the overall odds for this game, Milwaukee is minus 155 on the money line. Sam Fran plus 133. Total, a short one at 7.5. Now, Cueto is a pitcher here who has been fantastic. I mean, his ERA is solid, 3.73, but the true indicator, the XVIP of 4.11 is more of the appropriate number to set him at which still isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination it's sufficient enough for the san francisco team that's been great at home especially but so is cueto he pitches better at home 3.09 era 3.76 xvip is what he has uh, really just put up as at this point at his home park so cueto has been more reliable at home he went up against Milwaukee. The one game he did, 5.1 uh, inning pitch, 5 hits, 3 earned runs, 3 strikeouts. Not too shabby from Cueto. Giants won that game 5-4. to four. Burns is a pitcher, oddly enough, that's better on the road as well. Uh, 1.87 ERA or not as well, but better in this respective spot because he's got a 1.87 ERA on the road, 2.19 xFIP on the road. First San Francisco had a great performance, did Burns. The one game he went seven innings pitched allowed just four hits, one earned run, five strikeouts, 154 opponent batting average. Milwaukee got the job done that game 2-1. to one. Now looking at these offenses, uh, Milwaukee is an offense that is inconsistent. Adam alluded to, I mean, especially just against Minnesota coming off that tough series. But the Brewers do hit a little bit better on the road, but it's going to be a tougher environment at San Francisco. The Giants are a team that hits better at home, but it's going to be brutal going up against Corbin Burns. So my thought process wasn't to go one way or the other money line wise. It involved the total and more specifically with the first five. Now again, and I've done this in the past. I went and paid a little bit more to get a better number with the first five. You shop around four and a half is the number I got. Four seems to be the most consistent number around. But I went first five under four and a half runs, minus one sixty. Now this is a number at four and a five, uh, four and a half, excuse me, that Cueto has stayed under in his last five starts. Corbin Burns has stayed under this in the last three out of five. The reason that some of them have gone over, those because there was a the one game against the Cubs where the Brewers put up, what, seven runs in the first or whatever it was, and then he gave up four against Atlanta, and the Brewers had a great offensive performance. Nevertheless, and both of these guys starts against the other team It has stayed under this first five total of four and a half. So I expect the same to happen tonight. It's a little bit colder of a game, which maybe helps with the shorter total, and seven and a half is the full game total as well. So I like that I'm getting a solid number of four and a half, and I'm willing to lay the minus 160 to get that better number. So that's the angle I'm looking at tonight. A great pitcher performance, hopefully out of Cueto and out of the NL Cy Young hopeful potentially in Corbin Burns. That's what I'm expecting and rolling with first five total under four and a half minus 160 between the Brewers and the Giants. And then finally, we already kind of teased this already with Adam, but the other bet I'm placing, Astros and Mariners. I went with Houston minus 155 on the money line tonight. They're up to minus 159 at Bet Rivers. Uh, the Mariners catching plus 135 now. Luis Garcia has struggled a little bit on the road, and he hasn't done too great against Seattle. Six earned runs and 9.2 innings pitch, but at the end of the day, I think the Houston offense is the biggest advantage here. They've won their last four out of five, They hit better on the road, 783 OPS. You have a team in Seattle that hits worse at home with the 660 OPS compared to on the road where they're hitting 701. A little movement has gone toward Houston, minus 150 up to minus 159, even into the 160s in some spots. But I laid the minus 155 with Houston. I get that Seattle is fighting for their postseason lives right now, but the inconsistencies and the lack of just that constant offense Really just have I doesn't boast any confidence for myself. So I'm trusting Houston in this spot with Garcia, who's been overall a better pitcher than Flexen even though he's been spotty on the road. Banking on him coming through tonight and the Astros play them on the money line minus 155 as well as the Giants and Brewers. First five total under four and a half minus one sixty. All right, we mentioned it, but we're gonna be hitting some NFL props next, specifically Who's going to have the most rushing touchdowns? Where is the value presented in this category? We'll let you know next. Stick around. It is Rush Hour here on Beeson Sports Betting Network. Now that the NFL preseason has kicked off, it's the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. And the guide is only $19.99. And guess what? It's available now, and our experts provide profiles of every team in the guide, along with advanced stats and power ratings. Plus, you get best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for VEASAN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's vsi slash subscribe. All righty, welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. The show is rush hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke Fire. You can follow me along on Twitter. Remember the pro football betting guide, vsi slash subscribe. And at VEASAN Live, follow VEASAN on Twitter, speaking of nfl like we did last week we're continuing going over all of these props available at BetRivers rivers before we kick off the 2021 season let's continue that conversation with the prop bet consisting of the odds to have the most rushing touchdowns this upcoming year now just kind of going over the list there's two short shots and that's dalvin cook and derrick henry both at plus 450 to lead in this category Further down the list, Nick Chubb with Cleveland. He is plus 650. Jonathan Taylor, just his second year in the league, already at the top of the list, 8-1 to one odds. Christian McCaffrey coming back from that injury. He is at 10-1. Then Alvin Kamara, he is at 12-1 to get the most rushing touchdowns. Well, Let's start with some of the shorter shots. Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, plus 450 for both. If we have to cut it down, you know, just if you're picking one or the other between these two, who is it going to be? Well, for me personally... It's going to be Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry has been the successful better or bet, excuse me, in this category. Of course, he won it last year in 2020 with 17 touchdowns, uh, rushing wise, and tied for the leader in 2019 with 16 touchdowns. And 18, he had 12 rushing touchdowns, so still solid. But what's going to happen with this Titans offense? You're adding more passing threats into the mix. You already have AJ Brown. You're bringing out Julio Jones. You got Josh Reynolds as well. Is Derrick Henry going to get as many touches as he has in the past? Realistically, yeah, probably. But when you're getting closer to the red zone, you get more of a red zone threat in Julio Jones, just more weapons aside from him. Plus, how much can you rely out of Derrick Henry on a consistent basis considering the amount of touches he's gotten the past couple years? I mean, at some point, you would think he's going to get worn out. It's not something that you can completely bank on, of course, but something to consider in the back of your mind. Now, again, you know, he's played in at least 15 games in all five years of his career. So the consistency health-wise has been there. But we'll see what happens this season. I'm just saying at the end of the day, I have a little bit more faith in Delvin Cook. Now, Derrick Henry will be facing eight defenses that finished bottom half of DVOA run defense. Going through the AFC South is certainly going to help his case there. But I have a little bit more faith in Cook. All right, 2020, Cook only played in 14 games and he had 16 rushing touchdowns. So he played in two less games than Derrick Henry did and had just two less rushing touchdowns. So, or excuse me, just one less rushing touchdown. So Dallin Cook can be the best running back in this league if he can stay healthy, big if. And that's been the case with Dallin Cook in his career. In 2019, he had 13 rushing touchdowns, also just played in 14 games. He's never played in more than 14 games in a season. If he can stay healthy, he is the rightful favorite in my opinion again you also look at this Vikings offense where there's always been uncertainty with quarterback play. I know you get studly receivers and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson but again there's been the question marks with Kirk Cousins and all the offseason mess that has been occurring plus Dalvin Cook will be facing nine defenses that finished bottom half of DVOA run defense last year. If you're going with the short shots look at Dalvin Cook at plus 450. I think he is the better choice than to go with Derrick Henry who has been the winner these past two years. I would rather go with Delvin and Cook if we can assume he stays healthy. Of course, you can't assume that, but that's the direction I would be leaning. Now, like we said, Nick Chubb comes next at plus six fifty. Jonathan Taylor at eight to one. Briefly, just kind of handicapping these guys. I mean, Nick Chubb, you know, in twelve games last year, he rushed for twelve touchdowns uh, overall. So obviously, very solid for Nick Chubb. The issue with betting Nick Chubb, this Browns roster is so stacked. I mean, you get Landry, Del Beckham Jr. as the receivers. And then you just look at the running back situation, Kareem Hunt gets a lot of reps, too. I mean, he's a guy who takes a lot of action with the dump passes just in the passing game overall and could see some red zone opportunities. So I think Nick Chubb also could be, you could make the argument for him being one of the best, if not the best running back in the league. Now, I'm not saying he is, but you could make the argument for it. But the fact that he's such on just really such a deep roster with so many weapons widely available, I don't think he would be the most viable option for this bet. But if you are looking for maybe another reason to actually bet on him, he will be facing 11 defenses that finish bottom half of DVOA run defense. It's another reason why we're betting the Browns over their win total this upcoming season and could be a reason for betting Chubb at plus 650 to get the most rushing touchdowns. However, not enough for me to want to actually do it. But if you're so inclined to, that could be a step in the right direction. Then looking at Jonathan Taylor, 8-1, to coming into his sophomore season. Last year in 15 games, rushed for 11 touchdowns. Will they have to rely on Jonathan Taylor more because of the uncertainty at quarterback for the Colts? We were just talking about Carson Wentz appearing on the COVID list, and obviously he's dealing with his injury already. But a reason to look at Jonathan Taylor, yes, the great offensive line, and because they're probably going to have to rely on him. And when they did last year in the second half of the season, he was phenomenal. No doubt about that. The offensive line helps him out tremendously. Going to be facing eight defenses that finished bottom half DVOA run defense last year. I'm not ready to bet on this guy in his second season, but if you want to with a little bit better value, it does look like there's a bunch of promise there, but I'm not ready to jump the gun completely on Jonathan Taylor. Now, what about Christian McCaffrey, 10-1 in 2019, where he played most consistently, lastly, 15 rushing touchdowns in 16 games. The next most he had was in 2018 with just seven Last year, obviously, dealt with injuries. The Panthers, some people are higher on them than I am personally, but I'm not going to count on Christian McCaffrey, that's for sure. But you also have to consider some of his touchdowns come in the passing game, too, when you get to the red zone. So uh, not completely sold on Christian McCaffrey, although you are getting good value at 10-1. to Plus, they're only facing six defenses that finished bottom half of DVOA run defense. So not too enthusiastic about McCaffrey. But if we're looking at the longer shots, I think your best bet actually would be Alvin Kamara at 12-1. to Kamara last season in 15 games finished with 16 total rushing touchdowns, second most behind Derrick Henry. 2019 only had five rushing touchdowns in 14 games, kind of an anomaly season for him. 2018 in 15 games had 14 rushing touchdowns, finished second behind Todd Gurley. Will he need to be relied on more because of the lack of weapons for the Saints team? Obviously wide receiving is an issue where they're lacking talent is the assumption going into the season. New quarterback and Jameis Winston rely with the dominant back in Alvin Kamara. That case could be made for him at 12 to one. They're only facing seven defenses that finish bottom half in DVOA run defense. But I think if you're looking for a longer shot, Alvin Kamara is your guy at 12 to one. And if you want more of a shorter shot, maybe more of the reliable guy potentially I'd take Dalvin Cook over Derrick Henry. Plus 450 for both. Would probably circle out two guys. That would be Dalvin Cook plus 450. Longer shot. Alvin Kamara at 12-1. to 1. All right, let's keep it in the conversation of football. But collegiately, Adam Kramer talking week one games next here on Rush Out.
2: This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai
5: Ionic 5.
2: New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall.
5: And I'm CJ Toledano, And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all?
3: I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. Out of all odds with Bet Rivers, daily hometown discounts on boost on all of your favorite teams. Only at your hometown sportsbook. And to make your experience even more rewarding, remember that Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Not valid for any participant the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Daily hometown discounts. Check them out. Bet Rivers. All righty, welcome back to it, ladies and gentlemen, as we are wrapping up another edition of Rush Hour here on v Sports Betting Network. It's time to talk some college football. Uh, not the best weekend for myself as Nebraska is my alma mater, and, well, Illinois uh, ended up getting the job done like Amal Shaw called earlier in the week, so tip of the cap to Amal Shaw. Let's see what these other games in the Big Ten can present this upcoming week. I mean, that was just stereotypical Big Ten play between Illinois and Nebraska. So maybe we'll get the same, maybe we won't. But Adam Kramer joins us now to help us dissect it. And Adam, let's start with this Big Ten matchup on Thursday night with Minnesota and Ohio State. Now, Ohio State, of course, like we've been accustomed to, a lot of hopes and the favorites to win the Big Ten this year. Minnesota's coming off that struggling season last year, but maybe they have more of a bounce-back effort. And 14-and-a-half is what they're catching at home. This totals a high one at 64-and-a-half. Can Minnesota hang with the likes of the Buckeyes and cover that 14 in the hook?
1: Well, good to talk to you, first of all. And I'm, I am sorry about Nebraska. I was at that game this weekend <laughs> and with a bunch of Nebraska fans, and it was rough. It was a, it was a rough exit. So lick the wounds, of course, and move on. But, yeah... I, <laughs> This is a really interesting opener. And, of course, I think Ohio State is going to draw a ton of public money. People see two touchdowns or around there about. They see a team with one of the best defensive lines in all of college football. And I think it's going to get better when you look at a guy like Jack Sawyer, a true freshman, who's going to play. And even without Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, I think, is going to be excellent. But I think this is the time to catch Ohio State, too. You've got two great wide receivers. You've got Stroud, who is drawing – rave reviews in camps. This is a Minnesota team that returns a ton. I really like the offensive line. I like the quarterback, although last year was a mixed bag for Morgan. You obviously re- lose Rashad Bateman, which is a big deal. But I say this: I, I think we're going to see a game effort from Minnesota. It was a weird year, right? The Big Ten in general. You look back through results, you try to handicap what exactly we saw. Um, I don't think they win this game, but it would not shock me at all to see the Gophers at least make this one a little bit tighter. And actually, you mentioned the total as well. I think we're going to get points in this game, absolutely.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of with you too. I mean, last year was so strange that You know, with your top tier teams, you kind of expect them to still be at that spot. But, you know, more in the middle of the pack or a lower one like Minnesota where you don't typically have consistency, we could probably see that be the case with some teams that took a step backwards last season. I'm with you. I think Minnesota could keep up in this game, more so the total. I would be looking over as well. I'm not rushing to take the 14 and a half, but that's probably the side to be a little bit more inclined to gravitate toward. Now, just sticking on Minnesota with one more question here, Adam, because this Gophers team, you know, could have a decent opportunity to come out on top of the Big Ten West. Obviously, you got to get past Iowa. You got to get past Wisconsin, but it's more of a dark horse. Do you think Minnesota could be a viable option potentially?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I I think when you look at that specifically that side of the conference, um, you know, Wisconsin's probably getting a little bit more love than, than I feel, uh, although I get it. Again, because when you look at the, how just top-heavy and, and specifically imbalanced the B, Big Ten is right now, uh, it makes sense. Now, you're a Nebraska loyalist. Look, I went to Iowa, okay? So, of course, I'm going to say that the Hawkeyes are, uh, are, are okay. I mean, I think they should be fine, although that's a team where you kind of flip a coin and you're going to get Jack or you're going to get Hyde. So, yeah, that's, that's the right side of the conference to be on. And, again, experience, I think, is going to matter it was such an odd year for the Gophers last year. You've got to find a way to replace some playmaking ability, but the running game is going to be really, really good. The old line, if you've not seen Daniel Falele, who I did a story on, he's six foot nine and 400 pounds, legitimately wow. 400 pounds, and he does not look it. He looks almost lean. It's bizarre. I think he's a future NFL player, obviously. He's going to get a lot better after opting out. So, yeah, absolutely. I could see the love there for them as kind of a, a sleeper in that conference.
3: All right, well, let's move into some of that Big Ten play on Saturday. The aforementioned Wisconsin Badgers taking on Penn State. And, Adam, it looked like Wisconsin opened up in most spots. It's about a 4.5-point favorite. Now at Bet Rivers up to 5.5. Total at 50.5 for this game currently. So, again, you're talking about people hyping up Wisconsin maybe a little bit more than they deserve. But I guess the question is, can we see out of Graham Hurts what we saw against Illinois last year and before everything kind of went haywire? Do you think that can happen right away and against this Penn State team that typically has a good defense?
1: Yeah, and this is another game that uh, if you watch Big Ten play last year was perplexing. And the quarterback specifically perplexed me because both Berth and Clifford have looked Really good at times and really bad at others. I mean, Mertz, when we, if you remember, when we saw him, his debut looked like a future star, had the Coven run in, and obviously things were a lot different. Um, Wisconsin running game course is what you lean on. I just think you saw much lesser versions. These are also two teams, by the way, that really thrive in home field of course, Big Ten last year. It was non-existent, quite literally non-existent because they didn't have fans. So I have a hard time with this game. Again, it's probably because of the lack of football and just my love of overs. I kind of lean over. This is a game traditionally where we think defense and we think low scoring. I think both quarterbacks can make plays. I think the running games can make plays. And I'm not necessarily um, as big of a fan as both defenses maybe as some of the others are. So I have been back and forth on this line and this, this, just the spread pretty much all off season. quite honestly. I may lean Penn State what, 0-5 to start last year and then rounded into form. They had that heartbreaking game against Indiana. They just got off on a really strong foot. I think both teams have bounce backs. I'd lean Penn State, but I'm probably staying away.
3: All right, and then let's move on to the other Big Ten game. You talk about being an Iowa loyalist. you have enough loyalty to bet that Lane 3 in the hook against Indiana in Week 1? Shorter total here, 45 and a half. Look, your Hawkeyes are always great at plugging and playing in the trenches, but quarterback play is a concern with me for Iowa, whereas you have Penix with Indiana who's been a stud if he can stay healthy. But I think it could be a tough test for Indiana in week one. Iowa probably gets the job done. I just don't know if I'm completely there with them covering three and a hook. What say you, though, Adam?
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of fading Indiana. It was one of the best stories of the year last year. I thought they played great. I really like Tom Allen. I think Penix can be really explosive. Just a shame to see his season end with a torn ACL. they still got some good skill position players that I like. I mean, you, you hit on it for Iowa, right? at quarterback, he's, I'm not saying an NFL guy, but certainly NFL mold. He's huge, 6'5". So often, if you watch Iowa last year, though, I mean, he missed a lot of, uh, of bunnies, right? Like throws that they could have had for some really big plays. The line will be really good. Of course it will be, like lather, rinse, repeat. Tyler Goodson, I think, is one of the best running backs they've had in terms of overall skill position talent. Really, it does. you put a lot of emphasis on the QB. I think they make enough plays. Um, It is a homer pick, right? I am an Iowa guy, but I'm also seeing enough Iowa bad losses and everything else to process this a bit. I just think Indiana is going to have a hard time validating what was a spectacular year? It's a brutal schedule. It starts here. Opening up at Kinnick is is just not what you want to do. Even if talent wise, this is pretty darn close. But I'd lean Iowa and I'd lay the points.
3: All right, and we're running out of time, Adam. I could talk to you about this whole slate forever, but I want to fit in one of the bigger bigger games, probably the biggest, honestly. And that's going to be Georgia and Clemson. And before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts on this one. Now, Clemson currently a three and a half point favorite. A lot of people have high hopes for this Georgia Bulldogs team, though. Fifteen-and-a-half is the total we are seeing. Can Georgia potentially cover that three-and-a-half and win it outright? Do you see the value more so with Georgia, or are you riding Clemson in this spot?
1: Georgia's my national champion, right? So it Love says it. probably quite a bit what I think of this team. Now, I don't like the, the, just the juju from the start. You know Eric Gilbert, the big transfer, out with personal reasons. You've had injuries, including one to Darnell Washington, the tight end. I still think they've got great skill position players. I really like JT Daniels. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if the Heisman winner comes out of this game. You're certainly going to get a boost moving forward. Georgia's out-recruited the universe over the last four or five years. That includes Alabama. It includes Clemson. If I'm a Georgia fan, and I've got plenty of future tickets, so I'll be a fan this year, it's This has to be the year. I wrote this on Visa this week. This has to be the year with all the talent they have in place. Tough test. Wonderful game, by the way. We need more of these in college football, whether you're betting Clemson or Georgia or Total. It doesn't really matter. These are the games you absolutely love to see. But, yeah, I, I really do think Georgia at this point in time, with Alabama reloading the way it is, the number of players they have to replace, I think this is a great opportunity for the Bulldogs.
3: Adam, I am with you, my man, not only in that game, but overall this year took a little bit of a flyer on Georgia as well. So we'll be rooting that one out together, my man. Hey, thanks for stopping by, though. We'll have to do it more often throughout the college football season. Appreciate it, and best of luck with some of those bets for week one.
1: You too, my friend, and take care of Fordham,
3: okay? You got this, <laughs> right? We should... You got this. Hey. This one, I think, no. the a W. <laughs> No promises. You never know what's going to happen with Scott Frost and company. We can only hope that Nebraska can pull it off, but we'll see. There he is. Adam Craver, ladies and gentlemen, at Kegs and Eggs on Twitter, College Football Writer with us here at Visa and Bleacher Report as well. Hey, he's right. It's going to be a tough test in every game for Nebraska, as evident in week zero against the Fighting Illini. But all right, in case you missed it earlier on the show, had a couple of plays, and I just uh, did just want to bring it up once again. Uh, Johnny Cueto actually was uh, scratched from the starting lineup for the Giants, so my mistake, I didn't point that out earlier. And, look, the bet that we had was the first five total under four and a half. So, look, if you're going with the list of pitchers, even if you're not, if you're looking to get involved, can you trust Corbin Burns still in the spot? It's a big question by himself, really, to get the job. Then, of course, he can't, but more so. You know, you got Alvarez taking the bump, Jose Alvarez, uh, for the Giants' southpaw. I think this is going to be his first start this season. So, hopefully, the Brewers' bats don't come alive. He's still on a roll with the first five under four and a half runs. That's what I played with the intention of Cueto pitching. But, nevertheless, still think it's a decent spot. Other bet that we had, the Houston Astros on the money line, minus 155 against the Seattle Mariners. This offense in Seattle has been so inconsistent, they've been hitting worse at home, whereas Houston has been a better bet on the road, thinking and hoping that continues tonight. So as always, best of luck if you tail. We'll be back tomorrow with more betting action in baseball and some college football as well, looking at some of the biggest movements. Until then, take care from all of us here at Beeson Sports Betting Network.